0: It's the TEH Podcast number 97. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. And we have a guest this week, Kay Savitz Hello. of what would you like to be from this week? I'm from the internet, uh, from FreePrintable.net. <laughs> free awesome. So how's everyone doing? Surviving quarantine all right? Surviving's an accurate term. <laughs> yes, well we're here so by definition we've survived yeah. <laughs> so far, right? Uh yeah. Any good quarantine stories over uh, the last week?
1: Just just went for a walk with the dog around to see, you know, to uh, you know, be appalled at all the people not social distancing and right, right. to give encouraging nods to the people that are social distancing and
0: you know, I had my first non-spousal hug yesterday. Um the uh, uh, a friend of ours came over for dinner, and uh, it's just one of those things where you know what? No, you face it this way, I'll face it that way, and we'll just you know do the deed. Um, it's funny. He has been working at a uh, a restaurant, and he's spending you know all day there with at least two other people. And his comment was that yeah, they're breathing in each other's faces all day long, right? So, uh-huh. a hug between them isn't going to make that much difference anymore. So,
1: yeah, it's like living—you know—the people you're living with, you can do all be, be perfectly normal towards them. You, you know, you're part of the the unit. The, the biome, current. I think, is the it might be the biome. right
0: word. I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, bio makes me think of biomass. And that makes me think of compost. So I suspect <laughs> it's the wrong word. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Gary, you have some adventures in home Wi Fi, I see from your notes. What's going on?
1: Well, last week we talked a bit about this. And I don't remember where I quite left it off, but you know, I got a new uh, Nighthawk router. Nighthawk. Uh, yeah it's like but, the manliest router ever yeah made. <laughs> and it looks it looks like a freaking i mean it's bigger than a mac mini it's like it looks like a spaceship and it's huge it has these wings on it i guess that are that are the antennas and you know a 400 dollar router i didn't want to mess around i was going to get a new router i wanted it to be like what's the top of the line so i bought this thing to find out that my dead spot was still a dead spot and the distance it went was only marginally better than the distance of the uh uh, Airport Extreme that was many years old than I had before, um, but I kept I kept at it and I discovered a couple of things. First of all, we talked about I don't remember if we talked about this on I air. We, I think we the, talked off the, air because I we remember tried mentioning coat hangers. Coat yep. hangers, <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we might have talked off air on this. It, it, the dead spot is uh, in my house is at the end of the house where there used to be the original wall brick wall to the old house, and I thought that's what was blocking the uh, signal at that particular part but another thing that was going on there is it happens to be the location of my Directv genie 2 yeah. which is the box that Directv gives you that doesn't actually connect with tv it just connects to your dish and then it serves up its own special proprietary wi-fi network to connect to all your set top boxes and it's also there but I ruled out that that could be the problem because, first of all, I thought, well, such a stupid piece of technology because it is kind of stupid. Um, I didn't think it could really be getting in the way. I figured that's old stuff there. And I could see what channel it was on by using, like, a Wi-Fi, like, uh, you know, app that, yeah.
2: you
1: know, looked through everything. And it wasn't using the same channel. And, and Logic says if it's, it's using channel 5 and my Wi-Fi router is using 11, they shouldn't interfere with each other. But, Leo, you suggested it could be that anyway. And I thought, well, let me do the the ultimate test and power it off, which is hard to do when you're taping things all the time and people are watching TV all the time because we're all in stay at home and all of that. But I did find a slice of time early in the morning where nothing was being taped
2: (laughs) and nobody was watching. 3 and 3.15. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was. I had to get up and I turned it off and wouldn't you know it, you know, my 20% Wi-Fi signal get on that, you know, in the den there, suddenly jumped to 75%. Yes. So then I thought, well, wait a minute. Why is it sitting there anyway? It's, it's the only thing it's connected to is the satellite dish. And the satellite dish comes in through the basement and then it snakes its way through the walls to this point in the house. I just took it down to the basement and hooked it up right where the, um, satellite dish comes in. So it's off to the side of the house. You know, it's not basically right in the middle of the house like it was before mm-hmm. and more or less problem solved uh you know whether i went to the old airport extreme or the new nighthawk um i decided to keep the nighthawk because it is marginally better and it's cut two usb ports and it has some cool features like it has one network for both 2.4 and 5g um you don't have to switch ssids you know, the, the name mm-hmm. of the network, which was always a pain before. Just having one and, and letting your device switch um, is is much preferred. Um, but it still wouldn't reach into the backyard, which is kind of a it's – a, it's a distance to get, like, out to where I would sit in the backyard in a nice shady spot and want to FaceTime with people. So I bought a $35 um, Wi-Fi extender. And I just assumed these things wouldn't work. You know, they're usually like 50 to 100 bucks. And I assume they're all just crap or they wouldn't only really work with like the same brand of Wi Fi that you had. But this one it was just some generic Amazon deal for $35. And I thought, let me get it and I'll return it if it doesn't work. And I got it. And all you had to do was basically give it what SSID you're going to hook up to, what Wi Fi network you're hooking up to, what's the password for that, and what do you want to call the extended network? You know, Usually the same name, Dash Extended or something. And I gave it those three things, and it created a new network. And I was able to hook up to that and perfectly super fast Wi-Fi in my backyard. So I was pleasantly surprised that for $35, it does the job. The only disadvantage is it is a separate network. Um, so like I can't see computers or printers or anything that's hooked up to my main network. I have to switch back which is a bit of a pain, but you know, it's like an occasional thing sitting out in the backyard, wanting to watch Netflix in the evening or FaceTime somebody and you know how frustrating it is when Wi-Fi doesn't work. Like It's like you're on the edge, and it's like, oh, I just want to – you just connect for just a few <laughs> minutes. You know? And so you're perfectly willing at that point to switch networks and and you know to get that good, clean signal. So I finally got that all settled, settled up, and it's a pretty cool little device. And there's a bunch of them on Amazon, and not only do they work as – extenders, but they can work as routers in their own right, which means it could be a useful travel router. Remember, remember travel? Oh yeah. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> because you could plug in a regular connection of any kind into it and say, be your own network, which is exactly what I used to do with an, an uh, a little airport. Uh, what were those called? Airport, not extremes, but the extenders or whatever they were. Um, they you know, so you bring it with, throw it in your suitcase, and now I plug that into the Airbnb's, you know, DSL or cable modem, um, and not worry about whatever crap is on their Wi-Fi, you know, device that's on there. And instantly, all our iPhones, iPads, and Macs connect to this network. So, useful device and kind of cool. The only downside so far, the entire thing, is my printer is so old that even though it's a Wi-Fi printer. I couldn't get it to connect to my new Nighthawk router, and it would just it kept claiming that the password was wrong. And after pulling my hair out for a half an hour, I did a search online and found other people saying, "Oh yeah, if you have a router that switches between 2.4 and 5G, then this thing uh, doesn't—it—it it has a problem with that, and it—and uh, it reports bad password even though that's not the actual problem."
0: We have the opportunity to connect it wired.
1: Yeah. So fortunately that it happens to right now sit right next to where the, the router is. So I just connected it wired. It hasn't in the past. In the past it's been nice having it wireless because I could stick it somewhere else in the whole, you know, in the house right. where, you know, my high school student can print out things without having to come into my office, that kind of deal. But right now it happens to be right next to the router. So I'm willing to put up with that for the time being
0: so, so i'm curious so since you moved the um the direct master box yeah. the genie mm. whatever it was called yeah um i didn't realize that they were doing it via wi-fi yeah the <clears throat> genie twos are why wi- are this pseudo wi-fi so has that impacted the remote genies that are actually well watching your video?
1: as it turns out uh let's say i have boxes one two three and four um By moving it to the basement, it is closer to boxes two and three than it was before, the same distance to box four, and further from one, but one was the one that was sitting right next to it before. So it's actually, one is still the closest one to it. So my maximum distance to one of those boxes has not changed. Matter of fact, my maximum distance is actually shorter now that it's in the basement and out of the way.
0: Um, you know. it's interesting because we, uh, we've had the discussion. I used to have DirecTV and uh, they did not, the genie that I had did not use wireless at all. Right. What, I had that one too. Yeah. yeah. What they did is they had this funky little converter box that would get um, an out or uh, uh, the, the internet on one side and a cable connection um, on the other. So it would actually uh, uh, send the data you know their funky networking data local network um, across the actual direct tv cables that were going to each of the boxes and our yeah. boxes were still cabled right so you're you so does that mean your genie boxes the remote ones they have just power
1: right it's just that they're really tiny
0: yeah
1: and there's power and then hdmi to the tv
0: Interesting. Yeah, and so well, mine, mine more... still had the uh, uh, the coax cable, but like I said, they actually then ran the internet over some kind of proprietary uh, uh, protocol on top of whatever they used to send the data from the Genie to the, uh, to the remote boxes. Cool. Right.
1: It's nice because yeah, I could if I wanted to just move one of those boxes without doing anything. Right. You know, if I needed to watch TV in my office, for instance, where I don't have a tv right now but i don't have one of those boxes i could just move it all i don't have to run any wires um so yeah you know it's good but it does it is glitchy it will glitch from time to time and it's a bit of a pain and it's not uh 4k compatible right so not right. that you know any real broadcast stuff is 4k anyway
0: right Interesting. Well, actually, Segway is really nice because I was going to uh, talk about, uh, you know, the, the cool stuff I was going to mention was that we finally watched um, Rise of Skywalker last night. Uh, yesterday, of course, was May the 4th be with you. Yeah. And uh, Disney chose that as the date for a public release. Or I shouldn't say public release, but a release of um, uh, Rise of Skywalker on the Disney Plus streaming service. But um, it's interesting to see the landscape changing, and it was already changing before we got into the whole COVID-19 thing. And now uh, so many studios are dramatically changing, not just their schedules, but their approach in some, t- in some ways to how they're releasing feature films. And I'm wondering what you guys think. My suspicion is that uh, within, I'll say, the next 12 months, we'll be seeing a much shorter uh, delta between uh, theatrical and streaming releases. And I will even go so far that we'll also see a delta of zero for many, uh, where if people are willing to essentially pay you know, the same ticket price that they would have paid in a theater uh, to see something streaming at home.
2: There's already been threatened lawsuits from the theater companies about that because, I mean, it's one of the few advantages that theaters have anymore is you can see the movie there before you can see it at home. And if they get rid of that advantage
0: then that's not that's going to further hasten the The theaters might have to come up with a different approach to competition. Right. Um Mm it's interesting the theater that we started we were going to was one of the uh i am reluctant to call it a luxury theater, but it 's a theater where you had you know really comfortable recliners and they would serve you a meal while you're watching the movie massages like, cocaine, all the usual stuff right no, <laughs> oh man i'm moving to portland <laughs> um, the uh you know so it was, that was our thing, but we would we would do it only for certain movies and and certainly Skywalker would have been one of them because uh, we were doing the the Star Wars. What's nonology? I guess it is now. It's the trilogy of trilogies, but the um, um, but of course, COVID nineteen happened, and you know, life sort of uh, at the time it was out, you know, fresh in the theaters. We were waiting for the crowds to thin out, and I gotta admit. You know, I mean, I've got a nice-ish TV uh, and a reasonable sound system. It's certainly not theater quality by any stretch. It's not like I've got one of these massive home theater setups uh, with, you know, speakers in the walls and dimming lights and that kind of stuff. But it was a really comfortable experience. And, you know, when I needed to pee, I hit pause. Mm -hmm. You can't do that in the theater. Uh, and it's just, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if with so many more people experiencing what it's like to be able to stream some of these movies a little bit more easily at home, if we're not looking at the beginnings of a fundamental shift in how this content gets distributed.
1: Yeah, I see there's another uh, news item from this week about the big film festivals, like the Cannes and Tribeca film festivals and such uh, streaming online. Looks like through YouTube, maybe. Because, um, of course, obviously, they can't be held right? in it, their normal formats. So, yeah, you know, I, so, yeah, if theaters really want to sue over this. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, our business model is dying. We'll sue somebody
2: to keep it going. It's, um, a, it's the American way. The American way?
0: My suspicion is that there's probably, at least in the short term, a contractual issue, right? Sure. Where Maybe, yeah. You know, but but... <sighs> again, you know, the the studios will throw lawyers at the problem as well.
2: I've watched a couple of movies, uh, the South by Southwest didn't happening or so they, so Amazon was showing some of the the movies mm-hmm. um, that they got permission to, that would have premiered at the festival. And as a percentage, actually it was real small. I mean, of like 150 feature length films, I think they got permission to show eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch more of the shorts. And I've watched a couple of the shorts and, and uh, it was, it was delightful. And, I'm excited that like Tribeca Film Festival will be online. I've never been able to go to that and to be able to potentially see some of that festival from the comfort of my home is uh, a
0: great idea. The risk, I think that uh, uh, some of these venues or some of these uh, films and studios might be running into is that uh, when you, when you go to a theater You're paying for an experience in addition to the movie, right? I mean, it's a thing. You're going there. You're sitting in this large room with a bunch of other people. When you're watching a film at home, you're watching a film at home. So are you then willing to, say, pay a ticket price simply to watch the movie earlier? Because you know that you will get the same experience on Mm. your couch and your TV If you're willing to wait for three months, six months, 12 months, uh, depending on, of course, what other subscription services you're already paying for, uh, you know, are you willing to pay a little bit more to see it sooner? And I suspect that the answer for a lot of people will be no. So I think that a lot of uh, uh, the, the slack will get taken up by the streaming services, which people have been flocking to. We've all heard that Netflix had like their biggest month or quarter, I forget, Uh, of subscriber uptake uh, as the COVID-19 crisis began. But I'm sure that the same is true for other streaming services as well. And I suspect that this is a prime time for them to attract subscribers and show them good content and show them what a good experience on their service can be like.
1: Yeah, I I think, I mean, there's really two, Types of movies that you want to go see. One is something that you're really anticipating, like either it's a part of a series, or it's the movie made from a book that you liked, or it's got an actor in it, or it's made by a filmmaker that you like. And there's a real good reason why you want to see this movie as soon as possible. Um, And that's why you go to the theaters a lot of time. Then there's the other is you just want to see a movie and you're not picky about it. And you still go to the movie theaters to see those. But I think at home it 's different, like if a new Star Wars movie came out and it was released same day to home, a ton of people would pay twenty bucks to rent that, even knowing that three months later it 's going to be seven dollars or four dollars or whatever right, right. whereas a movie that comes out that 's like you don 't know the filmmaker. You are not particularly fans of the stars or whatever. I mean, you're not going to go and pay 20 bucks to go and see that. You might have done that in the movies, though. You may say, hey, let's go to the movie Saturday night. Great. What do you want to see? Right. Y- you know, and then that's when you're going to see one of those films. And you're not going to be saying, oh, what do you want to see tonight? And maybe paying 20 bucks. Maybe some people
0: will. It's but- interesting. What if, what are the criteria we have for uh, movies that we want to uh, watch in a theater actually has to do with the visuals. Is this a movie we want to see wow. in a huge screen in front of us rather than uh, the TV screen uh, at our home? Um, and, you know, a lot of that, I mean, the recent movies, you know, the Star Wars and the Marvel movies and so forth, those of all, all fallen into that bucket. Um, you know, same with the Lord of the Rings, uh, right. or the, the Hobbit movies, just because they are so visually stunning. Uh, yes, they're nice to watch on a TV, but there's just something to be said for that huge screen. I don't know what happens to those movies because uh, you know, there's still going to be an audience for them, but will there be theaters? Um, you know, how many theaters are going to survive all of this, to be honest?
1: Well, and, and it scares me too thinking... I'm a fan of both, you know, the big visual films, and also films that it really doesn't matter if you see them on a TV or in the in the movies. I'm sure the the directors and cinematographers would disagree, but you know, those films where they're like a, a romantic comedy or a drama, you know, and you may go and say, "Well, I don't, we don't need to see that in a the theater; it's just a bunch of people talking." Um, but that's a shame in a way that because some of those are the best movies ever made. Sure. You know, sure.
0: and uh, so I, and I, I don't know. And I theaters do it. have that one thing where it's a movie is in a theater for a while and then it's not right. It's yeah. like you have a window during which yeah. you can watch the movie on a big screen. After that, you're out of luck unless, you know, 10 or 15 years later that it becomes a, a retro movie that people bring into a theater for a one day screening kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. So for me, things like, uh, uh, what I'll call them, I don't wanna call them eye candy movie. They're, they're just more of, of uh, popcorn movies like uh, like the Bond film, when it comes out, right? Yeah. We were never gonna see that in a theater. We're definitely gonna watch it, but it was never gonna be a theater movie for us because it wasn't worth the the effort, I'll say, to go do that. Um, whereas, you know, absolutely, as soon as it becomes available streaming someplace, We'll watch it. Will, will I pay a rental if it comes out earlier? The, the normal case is that Amazon Prime has it or Amazon has it for rental before everybody else has it streaming. Um, unlikely, just because, you know, life is full and we can wait a few more months. So, <laughs> yeah. interesting times. Anyway, ha- so have you guys actually seen uh, Skywalker?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I saw it in the theatrical saw in the theater, yeah, Twice, uh, twice <laughs> in the first
2: week. I, I don't care about Star Wars.
0: Okay, well, be that <laughs> way. Um, so yeah, we watched it, and uh, it was uh, interesting. Naturally, of course, various spoilers had leaked through social media, so I kind of sort of knew a couple of things to come through. Uh-huh. But it was uh, it was a good time. We enjoyed watching it, and I just liked the synchronicity of having them use. Uh, Use May the Fourth as an opportunity to release it publicly. I, as you can imagine, I have subscribed to Disney Plus, and I mentioned that here before. That one of the reasons that I subscribed to Disney er, um, to Disney Plus was The Mandalorian uh-huh. when it was originally released, which um, again also awesome. Except if you're K. and the um, that my disappointment with Disney Plus was that I expected a shorter lag time between theatrical release and um and it's showing up on the streaming service for example the day they released i was disappointed that toy story 4 was not yet available there and it uh took a couple of months i think before they decided to get around to to releasing it
1: i thought it was because of the pre-existing um netflix agreement like years ago netflix had had a deal okay with disney pixar to pick up those movies first blah 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 you know and it just was bad timing it was like okay well this expires a few months after we want to launch disney plus so that's why they couldn't something like that it was like it was like really close it's like they thought about maybe delaying all of disney plus so they could launch with it but they thought uh that's okay. Weird.
0: Well, no, that's good. I, I'm I'm actually actually relieved to hear that because Disney has so much content and they have so much content coming out constantly. Oh yeah. That uh, I was really surprised that after the Mandalorian completed, because obviously that was their huge selling point when they first launched. Uh, when the Mandalorian completed, they had like two months worth of in radio, we'd call it dead air. I mean, there was, they just had their existing content and that's what you got. They've got so much stuff going on that I just don't see how they aren't releasing something absolutely, I don't want to say brand new, but certainly new to streaming every month and using that as an opportunity to continue to both retain and, um, and gain new subscribers. So I'm hopeful that the combination of uh, what you just described as simply being a, a legal agreement causing that initial delay and our now newfound uh, COVID-19 world might uh, might help Disney Plus and some of the other services oh, yeah. do a better job of meeting my expectations, darn it.
1: I mean, Disney Plus, uh, Disney is such a powerhouse of content creation yep. that they... It, they know they'll eventually win that content game. (laughs) They could produce more content, uh, you know, more genres, you know, uh, for a longer period of time than anybody. And um, so they know that they can win that and they're, but they're doing, doing pretty well. I I do like, you know, I do have the Disney plus slash Hulu subscription. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, one of the ones that I, I pay for. Right. So, Yeah.
2: yeah. I didn't know that was available as a bundle. Yeah. Yeah, it is.
0: As I understand it, the Hulu subscription that's in that bundle is the uh, commercial version, though, right?
2: Actually,
1: it's. I believe there are multiple bundles now. When they launched, it was like you could only get the commercial one. Okay. But I think there's a bundle now that's bundles with the non-commercial version of Hulu. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they have options now.
0: I'll have to look that up because I actually had... I have still, uh, the, uh, Hulu without commercials, which costs a little bit more. And at the time so I was, worth <laughs> so yeah, worth every penny. It is so worth it. Uh, in fact, when I go and watch something that's only available on something like YouTube TV, which is all, you know, still has the commercials built baked in. Uh, it's like, okay, how do I fast forward on this device? Which thankfully sometimes most of the time, actually you can, if you do it right. Um, But no, they didn't have that as a bundle option when I looked. So I will take a look again. Cool.
1: So uh, speaking of home entertainment, (laughs) uh, you talked about The Rise of Skywalker. I'm actually – I actually started to get a little sick of TV. Um, I found that as this goes on, I am watching all the different shows I'm watching. And I I usually have my laptop with me just so I can kind of keep up with email and stuff found more and more I was zoning out from what I was watching and paying more and more attention to my laptop and then just, you know, working and it wasn't, A break. I was like, okay, I've done a lot of work today. Let me take a break and not work. And
2: then I was just working more. Just got another benefit of going to the movie theater.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really. Well, that that is true. So (laughs) I decided I had an after one evening of like watch having an entire like TV show that I wanted to see like finish and be like, oh, it's over. Oh crap, what happened? You know, (laughs) I was just I was looking at my laptop the whole time. Um, I said, you know what? How about a game? Because you know I've got my Xbox right there. I haven't played a game during all this, so I went and uh, did some research on what are decent games, and I wanted to find something that had a story to it and that had some humor and was weird and uh, would draw me in, hopefully. Uh, and so I started playing one called Control, which is an Xbox game, but I think it's on PlayStation uh, 4 as well. Uh, and it's just, you know, your typical first-person shooter run around and uh, a story unfolds it was described in one review as a the story it was a cross between x-files and twin peaks soon as i read that i was like i'm in <laughs> hmm. this is what i want so you know just some weird a story about some strange government agency that does paranormal stuff and you wander into the building and suddenly become director of it because they're having some sort of crisis and now you have to go and there's enough humor in it. I like humor in games. Like you find plenty of documents as you're walking around, and uh, you read the documents, and there'll be like weird references to pop culture or um, you know redacted information that ties to historical events that just make you laugh a little bit about uh, you know conspiracy theories and things like that. But I do find it works when I I have that controller in my hand and I start the game. I mean, you know, you're doing combat a lot of the time. You can't be paying attention to something else. So I'm immersed in the game. If I play for an hour, it is an hour break from everything, which means no work, no pandemic, <laughs> you know, no stay at home, <laughs> anything. It is like I am fighting for my life in this game for an hour. And when I, when I stop and say, oh, okay, that's enough for now, I feel like I've actually taken a break from reality, which is nice.
2: Talking about a different kind of game. Have y'all played Jackbox?
1: Oh, I th- never I think, heard of it. Wait, okay. that's mm-hmm. the yeah. I think I, I think I've seen it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
2: Ahead, Jackbox is a uh, it are is a set of party games which mm-hmm. you can play online with friends. They're by the people who made. Uh, remember, you don't know Jack it was a trivia game that was popular in the, yeah, a long time ago. a long time ago. So um, this is a I think a fantastic been a fantastic way for our family to connect with friends and family um, during quarantine times, where you can you can get online, you can play games with friends and um, ch- chat with them. Basically, one uh, one person, which is me, uh, buys the the Jackbox program um, when there's various packs, but I bought them for like thirteen dollars each, and then you have it on your laptop, and then you can connect you you go full screen mode and you can use uh, Skype or, or Zoom and your family members can dial into it into your meeting and then you play a game and they're fun little games ones like a drawing game like you know there's like a Pictionary kind of game and, and uh, uh, there's some trivia games and some, some goofy word games um, and basically you can play with your friends online have a, have a game night um, and uh, they're really cool
1: yeah I've I've seen it, and I've been meaning to use it more. Like maybe try it out. Yeah, I might invite my family to.
2: Yeah, and and, you know you can you could invite uh, Leo and me. We could all play together. Yeah, um, perhaps we should. I'd I'd be happy to host that. That'd be fun. But it's you know if you're feeling disconnected from from your real life friends and and you know whatever sending a text isn't helping. This is a way to actually really interact with people and just kind of play a game and you know, you can chat between levels and it's a, it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend. Cool.
0: It's funny. I actually had uh, my first video call of a social nature, I guess I'd call it uh, just like a couple of days ago Uh, have been avoiding, I shouldn't say avoiding it. It just, it hasn't really seemed necessary, maybe just because I'm so comfortable being um, an introvert alone in my home doing what I always do anyway. But uh, a friend of mine ended up talking about uh, some uh, ham radio stuff. And he said, hey, can we just jump on a Zoom call? And that turned out to be, actually, surprisingly, really effective, and it turned out to be a, a a pretty a pretty neat way to connect with someone that right now we are physically prevented from from connecting and so <clears throat> I was surprised at how well that worked, and I could certainly see that in a uh, a communal setting, a game kind of setting, that could be a lot of fun
1: I mentioned it before, but you know i 'm doing this uh, poker night on Saturday nights with uh, Uh, friends of mine from where neighbors from where i used to live i moved moved away from there four years ago but uh we used to do live poker nights in the neighborhood and the guy that started those uh about four weeks ago started a saturday night zoom poker well it's not zoom we're actually doing google hangouts and then using the poker stars uh platform to play the game so we're logged into two things at once and and it's been great you know we see each other on zoom and we and we chat or, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Google Hangouts, and we chat on Google Hangouts, and then we play the game uh, just like before, uh, but you know doing that in a, in a different window. And you know, one thing that was interesting was there was one guy that was doing it with two different groups at the same time. Something that you can't, you can't really do in real life. And actually, it's like a sitcom, you know, a standard thing, right? Where you, ha- you need to be two places at once. You know, a guy has like two dates, and he's running back and forth between the two tables trying to pretend that, you know, he's only <laughs> on the date with the one, you know. But he actually can do that now. You know, this guy was actually like talking with us and playing with our poker game. But, you know, sometimes he wasn't talking because he was talking to the other group of guys he was playing poker with at the same time. He was at two parties at once.
0: I just had this concept of you know, turning off the camera if you don't have a poker face.
1: Well, yeah, we, there, there were people, like uh, one of those games, we actually started with 16 people. Most of the time, it's been smaller. And there were a couple people that just either did audio only, and there was one person that didn't do any of that, just played, played poker against us, but was not part of the Google Hangout. Huh. for whatever reason. And then there's the thing about like what can they see on camera cuz you can you can make your image pretty small, you know, th- uh, 360p, right. you know, and you're, you know, you kind of sitting back in your chair and the lighting is bad. You know, and originally I had mine, it said, oh, I have high bandwidth 720 and I have my great lighting in my studio right, and right. I, my face fills the, ca- you know, as it should, uh, like everything's proper. And I'm like, this is not good because they can read my every expression I could barely <laughs> see them, right. Sitting in their dark rooms with like their head at the corner of the screen is there's, you know, so that, uh, that does play into it a bit.
0: It is kind of bizarre when you, uh, when you do this kind of video, Uh, You know, as your your job, you know, as you know, Gary, you and I both both do this for our respective uh, uh, efforts. So we've got a setup that's got a good camera and it's Mm -hmm. got good lighting. And I'm not sure what it really says when you're the best looking Zoom participant. You know, I mean, it's just it's kind of bizarre.
1: It it is, and and then the microphone as well, all that stuff is kind of weird. Uh, We actually had a guy on this Saturday, last Saturday night, apparently on Google Hangouts. There's no way to kick somebody out. (laughs) <laughs> your group, right? It's just, you can look it up online. There's people who've complain, been complaining for a decade about this. So somebody uh, lost, you know, they were out and they basically said, all right, well, night guys. And then they put their headset down and they walked away. And we just saw their off little home office room for the rest of the time, you know, live feed. And we could hear his kids playing in the next room the entire time.
0: And... <laughs> <laughs> and there was nothing we could do. The there internet. are worse things you could have been hearing. I, I think know. You need to be I know.
1: <laughs> I know. So it was, it was just so weird. You know, at points we were yelling, it's like, is, is it, a, do you think it, he, he left his headset on or is it the speaker? Cause we were yelling, Hey kids, get over yeah. here. <laughs> close the laptop. If you can hear me, close the laptop.
0: Have either of you used Google meet yet? Isn't it the same thing as Google Hangouts? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so hard to tell with Google. Uh, they, they name things kind of randomly. They, they drop and develop products on a whim, it seems. So Google Meet is apparently what they've been pushing on the G Suite side, the business paid side. And apparently it's going to start becoming available for free uh, to everybody uh, with a Gmail account. I'm just curious how it, what it looks like, how it works, what kind of controls it has. They're positioning it as a Zoom killer, right? There are at least a Zoom competitor. Mm. Uh, And it's just kind of, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how well it works and what its uptake is going to be like. It does have the one disadvantage that uh, Skype has, and that is you need an account. Uh, if you want if you want to participate in a Google Meet, you need a Google account and not everybody has one. Not everybody wants one. Right? There are people that that seriously distrust Google, uh, whereas with Zoom you do to participate. You don't need uh, an account of any sort unless you're the, the organizer.
1: Yeah. There was nobody that seriously distrust, distrusted zoom until they actually <laughs> decided to create that. I mean, it is funny. Like two months ago, everybody would have been like, Oh yeah, zoom. It's wonderful. And now they have their own group of haters, right? Yes. Facebook got its group of haters and Google's got its group of haters and zoom went ahead and acquired its own group of haters.
0: Heaven forbid Just... you try and have a meeting that involves all three. <sighs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> I can only imagine. I don't think I've... I'm trying to think. I think I've used just about every platform at this point for one thing or another.
0: Well, certainly over the years.
1: Well, yeah, I'm talking about yeah. during the pandemic. Oh, I okay. Used, yeah.
0: So you've done Hangouts. Have you done Skype?
1: FaceTime, Skype, uh, Zoom.
0: So how uh, does... So is this Skype group meetings or no, one one No, no. I think it was just talking to one person. Okay. Um, and yeah. Do so, you have a sense since you've used all of them yeah, for uh, what I'll just refer to as call quality.
1: It seems to be the
0: same. Okay. Okay. So that, I, I really that part of the technology is kind of matured.
1: Yeah. I have not, nothing has like, you know, come, Oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, the quality here is fantastic. I, I mean, it's gotta be, you know, the bottleneck is really in the networks and, the packets flowing through the internet and all of that, not really.
0: The the pragmatic bottleneck, I think for a lot of people um, is the the last mile, right? The internet connection into their home because not everybody has the kind of speeds that we're talking about, you know, that we run with. But, um, and maybe there are differences. the whole way we run with. You talk a big game now,
2: Leo, but a year and a half ago, or something, you were. I like
0: know, I was. i looking around, but trust me, I appreciate what I have. KISDN or whatever I, you had. I have, I have done 128 <laughs> KISDN. I have done everything at one point or another, and I really, really appreciate what I have. Do you still have your gigabit connection there, Kay?
2: I do. Yeah. You see, it's real. It's, it's, it's real plush. I love it. I'm sure it
0: is. Yeah. Um, so I rewired
2: my, my network so that to to my main office laptop, it's, it's wired all the way. So, I mean, it's, it's as fast as humanly possible.
0: Um, I think, uh, as I think about it, yes, the machine that I'm working right now and my desktop machine downstairs, they're both wired directly to the router. Um, for exactly the same reason, you you know, have to maximize maximize the throughput, move those bits as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But the reality, of course, is that there are so many people that are still stuck on on uh, you know plain old DSL, low end DSL, or worse. And it would be interesting to understand if there were uh, pragmatic differences between the various services uh, handling low bandwidth situations, if any of them handled it better than others.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I think they are are pretty low bandwidth. I mean, I can't believe, you know, that poker game. I mean, I think we had like 14 or people on video at one time, it, you know, which isn't really, I mean, that's not a problem because you're only seeing one stream. You're just seeing what Google Hangouts, in that case, was giving to me, right? which is just one screen worth of stuff. It looked like a bunch of different boxes of different people, right. but it was just one big box that had those little boxes in it. Right. And I, so I was, that's what I was getting. And what I was sending was just me. Right. Um, so in a way it scales kind of nicely. Right. Uh, I You know what? I'm surprised I haven't seen though. Cause I, you know, I watched uh, some of the late night talk shows and, and, and new shows as well, where they do uh, zoom interviews and it, you could tell it's a zoom interview. You know, the quality varies, mm-hmm. but I was thinking of doing a zoom interview of somebody for completely unrelated kind of thing. And I was a little worried about the quality and it occurred to me, wait a minute, there's nothing to prevent me from actually recording on my end and having them record on their end, as long as they, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then once we're done with the interview, they send me their file. Sure. And then I've re-edited it together, but yet I don't really see that happening when I watch like the late night talk shows. you think they would be doing that.
0: Right. Well, well, yeah, Mm -hmm. True. Um, that's I think a lot of what's happening in the uh, the Brady Bunch style music videos we're seeing these days is that, you know, if you've got like a nine by nine square of sing, uh, I'm sorry, three by three square uh, square of singers, somebody yeah. took nine audio files, and yeah.
2: um, and synchronized them. Yeah, that's oh, all. The, all that magic's done in post for sure.
0: Yeah, you know? Um, it's impressive as hell. I mean, I have got to, you know, it, it's funny because it's impressive. At the level of the music that's being produced, some of the things are really, really impressive and high quality and some of them are parodies and some of them are just, you know, straight on, uh, you know, takes of whatever, but the, uh, uh, those of us who know what it takes to put together good quality audio over these bizarre and rambling, you know, different connections, uh, it's, doubly impressive for us to understand what it, what that that poor audio engineer or video engineer in post is doing. We really appreciate his work.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of that, a lot of unsung heroes, even like uh, just seeing the Saturday Night Live stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, sec- the second stay at home, you could tell they had, the technique had evolved. You know, the first had some impressive little stuff where they were doing that, taking the feeds and combining them and all. But then the second one, they really upped the game, and some of the coo- some really interesting stuff that they were doing. And I thought, oh yeah, well of course, you know they would. I would imagine Laura Michaels, who you know his production company, Broadway Video, produces a lot of different things. He's probably got some really smart technical guys there, of course. And they're probably all now just you know working on that um, to make those shows better. But the second SNL one was really good, and then Parks and Rec, uh, you know, they did their reunion. Uh, show on mm-hmm. Thursday night. And that was also done with, you know, it was all just, uh, I, you know, people streaming from home, but I assume that they were actually filming. It, it looked like they were streaming from home, but they probably weren't. They were probably just recording at home, pretending they were streaming, doing their part, sending that file in. And then somebody, a few people working hard to put it all together and make it look like it was a yeah, Zoom I, call I, they were all on
2: i read, almost read an article it was like oh this is interesting and i put it in my to read later that i probably have stuff from 2016 in there um i, I like the idea of of put pocket and and what is it on on the the safari where you my my reading list or whatever you can yeah you can, reading list yeah reading list save stuff to read later and then i don't think i ever do but i almost read an interesting article about how they're doing shows like that, and and it, it basically said it involved uh, involves a lot of mailing, you know, FedExing iPhones. Uh, you know, the yeah. people are using those because the cameras are great, and then, but then maybe they don't have the bandwidth, so they will just you know FedEx it to someone to do the editing there and things like that. So
1: it makes sense they've got the they've got the 4K camera, right? 4K, sixty frames a second too on the on the uh, iPhone 11s, mm-hmm. and they have storage. To, you know, you can record hours of it on there and they're compact, lightweight, you know, easy to, easy to ship. I mean, 10 years ago, you, you know, there was a big deal, those red, you know, 4k cameras that cost thousands of dollars just for the camera. It didn't even have like, you know, an operating system or anything with it. It was just the basics. And now, you know, anybody that walks in, you know, orders, orders an iPhone online or walks into an Apple store can get basically that quality. Uh, well, not quite, because you know the, the lenses. But for doing TV, like Parks and Rec or SNL, yeah, it's probably easier too to tell the talent to be like, you just concentrate on being funny or being dramatic or doing your thing, right? right? Yeah. Here, all you all you got to do is point the camera. Hit, you know, they probably send them. A tri- I bet you they send them tripods.
0: I was I going to say they, they must have sent them some lights and some. I mean, it's going to vary, of course, based uh, depending on who they are. But some of them are going to be familiar with setting up lighting. Some will a lot, a lot will, yeah. A lot of them aren't, and they're going to need some instruction. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that you know, was accomplished. But uh, yes, it's more than just you know prop your prop your cell phone up on a desk somewhere.
1: I'm, I'm sure it's much more like for the the actors especially the ones that are veterans, you know, they really start to get into the whole craft of, you know, maybe they've directed a few episodes of their show and then they, you know, they, you know, they learn all that stuff. I'm sure the general TV actor knows more about lighting than, you know, most people who should know about lighting do. Uh, But then probably when you're into normal folks that aren't doing that and say, Oh, we want to interview you or include you in this special or whatever, it might, you know, or a musician say in one mm-hmm. of these musical specials, then it might be a little bit like, all right, let's let us tell you how to uh, to do it. Although I did see, who was it? Oh, Keith, uh, who's married to Nicole Kimmon? It's Keith Urban, right? I believe so. Yeah. So they, they did the, when they did that special, um, that you know, two-hour special concert. His thing, he had three mics set up, and he had, I you know, obviously put his camera on a steady tripod. Uh, and filmed himself three times playing three different instruments. And they blended it together so that you know, it looked like basically a three-man band. Um, and it was perfect. You know, it was done absolutely perfectly. And of course, it's just him and Nicole Kidman. Now, they probably, between the two of them, know so much about that stuff. And I imagine Nicole Kidman, who I believe has directed and everything, um, probably knows how to do a lot of that. Uh, but it was really cool. Although I felt really bad because uh, it was Keith Urban number three that at the end got the uh, hug from Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban's number one and two, nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. Might spell some trouble there for Keith Urban's number one and two.
0: <laughs> Either of you have, I was going to um, bring up David Lawrence's course for mm. teachers because I think that it's something that is uh, on, on topic here that perhaps some of our listeners could actually benefit from. Um, well, I'll look, I'll look that up after we're done or, or make sure it's included in the show notes, but we have a mutual friend, David Lawrence, who teaches voiceover uh, work and other acting related stuff uh, out of Burbank. And one of the things that he has put together is a course specifically designed for teachers who are now having to deal with basically what we're talking about. The mechanics of uh, teaching from home, using Zoom, putting yourself on camera, doing that in a way that uh, you know, actually works and, and looks good and lets you get your job done. <clears throat> anyway, he, uh, the course I think is free for teachers until I think it's the 15th of this month. And uh, that is something that if it is all, you know, something you're considering or might be in your wheelhouse, um, you know, go go see what Dave has to offer. Like I said, we'll f- make sure that there's a link in the show notes for today's episode and uh, see if it doesn't apply to you. Dave's a great guy. Um, I know that I am uh, personally, I have made several changes to my recording and audio setup, specifically based on his recommendations. They've uh-huh. been uh, they've been spot on over the years. He knows what all, he's talking about. Yep, he does know what he's talking. I think
2: about. Audio Technica sold a lot of microphones because of him. Yep, <laughs>
0: yep, yep. yep. It's the AT2020 variations thereof that I suspect uh-huh. we're all using. So, anyway, um, just wanted to throw that in there because I think it might be of interest to uh, to our listeners. So, Kevin, Kevin, mm, okay. K, whoever okay. you are. Whoever I am, I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> I know. It's got to be as confusing as it is for us. I'm sure it's even more so. Uh, Want to, like, self-promote something? Uh, sure. I'm
2: just launching a uh, new site um, that uh haven't even mentioned in my newsletter yet, but it is uh, heroprintables.com, um, I think. You guys were there when this idea was hatched some time ago. Um, this is printable biographies, printable one-page biographies of heroes from the past and present. Oh,
0: yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, includes uh, heroes uh, who have made advancements in STEM and art and sports and suffrage and civil rights and environmental causes, things like that. Each picture, you know, there's a each page there's a there's a picture, birth and death dates and three or four paragraphs uh, offering the key information you should know about, about these people.
0: I suspect our you know, study at home parents right now are going to be very appreciative of having something like that available.
2: I hope so. Um, so yeah, right now there's 50 and we're working to uh, have uh, more than 300 eventually, but the first 50 are up. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Gary.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, let's see one of my videos this week I can mention is, Oh yeah. The color slash effect um, so the idea uh, is you have a photo, um, it's got some object in it, like a person or a mailbox or whatever, and you want them to be in color, but the rest of the image to be grayscale, black and white. Um, how can you do that? Well, it turns out you can, you can do that most of the time in the Photos app. Uh, that you probably are familiar with if you use a Mac. Uh, sometimes for more complex images, you have to go to like a third-party editor. But I've got a video on how to do that and create some neat-looking photos, especially for people that like to like take their photos and process them and then post them to Instagram and such.
0: Cool, cool. Um, the article that I wanted to mention this week is uh, one that, it's actually fairly old, but it's been positively received. uh, It's actually got a lot of positive feedback over the years. I republish it every once in a while just because. It's called The Most Important Skill. And basically what it is, is some years ago, I suddenly realized that while I was a great computer programmer, the skill that I really wished that I'd spent more time on in school was writing. Because I had turned into a writer and some reflections on that as to how so much of what we do, no matter what your job is, boils down to your ability to communicate, communicate well, and communicate clearly with others, which may not necessarily be the skill that you are actually studying in school. So most important skill, askleo.com slash 6166. Cool. Nice. Anything else you
1: guys, before we wrap it up? That's it. Stay, uh, stay safe and healthy, everyone.
0: Yeah, stay healthy for sure. All righty. Uh, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh97. If you've got a comment or a question for us, you know where to find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Teh Podcast, or you can always leave us a comment on the show notes page. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we will see you here again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.